it occurred to me that this might be my first actual hobby, you know, where I've always been very passionate about things, but I've always tried to like monetize them in some way, right? Or like turn them into more than just something I do for myself. Um, and this is the first time I'm doing something a lot. Like I'm very into it and I'm really just, there's no reason. I'm just into it because I'm into it, you know? Right. And um, I'm not trying to monetize it. Like there's no part of this that is, I, I'm, I'm trying to like, um, you know, commercialize in any way. I'm just doing it because it's fun. And um, it's really nice. It's really nice having a hobby. I never realized how nice it was to actually have a hobby. <laughs> this is the Farm Hop Life Podcast, a traveling homestead family. I'm Matt DeRozier. On the Farm Hop Life Podcast, we learn what it takes to grow your own food from everyday people. Could be a college student grows tomatoes and salad greens on their apartment patio, a former VP of marketing for Del Taco now raising cattle in Montana, or someone who hasn't had a homestead in over 10 years. This show is aimed at teaching you what it takes to make homesteading work for you, that we all make mistakes, we all have bad days, but we can reach out and help one another thrive in giving you the confidence needed to go feed yourself. I found you actually through Julie Fredericks, Fredrickson. And so I'm like, oh, who's this guy? And I started looking at you. I'm like, oh, hey, neat. I want him on the podcast. Yeah. Part of one of the, you know, she's one of our first guests on the podcast. And, um, you know, we're mutuals. We're in the a group chat together and stuff. She's a really, she's really, really cool person. Incredibly helpful. Like I, I've never seen someone so gracious with their time. Really? Uh, yeah, no, she's in, she's incredibly helpful um, and also very honest. Like if she doesn't think she can help you, then she's going to be very straight with you out, out the gate. Um, and I really appreciate both the honesty and the willingness to help. She's she's a really great person. One of the first episodes of Doomer Optimism she was on. Yeah, I think I'm, I'm trying to think it, it might have been like two or three. It was certainly in, in the first 10. Wow. Um, okay. I'll have to go back and check that out. I did not yeah, know that. Yeah. It was, um, and I don't even really remember how she got on the pod, like how she heard about us or whatever. But um, I mean, honestly, most of the stuff with Doomer Optimism is, is just been like kind of miraculous in a way. Like it just sort of, you know, actually dreamed up this term and, and um, her and Jason started doing that Stoa stuff. And it's just sort of, I mean, yeah. It's been surprising to watch, you know, it just kind of steamroll on snowball, not steamroll, snowball. <laughs> right. Yeah. It can be a steamroll snowball, I guess, at times, right? Mm -hmm. uh, have you have you met Ashley before or no? I haven't. Uh, not in, I mean, not in person. We've talked, uh, you know, on video calls and stuff. Yeah. Well. But um, I have met Jason in person. I gave him That's and cool. Dave actually... Uh, both a tree um that's sort of like my um my meeting the mutuals kind of like thing i do is just bring you a fruit tree if i know that you have the property to put a fruit tree in your yard right um right. but yeah dave has a he has a peach tree i think i gave jason an apple tree and then i gave tom ruby in kentucky i gave him a fig um and i have i gave another friend of mine uh, up in New York, an apple tree. My goal is to is to plant is to help plant an apple or a fruit tree uh, in every state in the country. By the time that'd I be funny, that'd be great. Yeah. 
I was thinking it'd be a funny, a funny like documentary or like a web series or something like the history of the uh, like the U.S. in 50 trees, you know, and like use the tree to tell the story of the state or the people or the culture there. Um, yeah. But, good. Yeah. Anyway, like, was it like uh, wasn't it like the Homestead? Was it the Homestead Act where like you had to I, I, I guess I've never read it. Mm hmm. Full disclosure, but it was something about like if you planted a tree there, like you started, it, it was technically like you were producing on it and like you could claim that plot. So, like, that's how like Johnny Appleseed just kind of like planted like all these trees, like along, yeah. like along his way or something like that. And so, like, there's like a so I'm, I'm in Western Montana near Missoula mm -hmm. and there's a like a 120 year old apple orchard just outside Missoula that people will like they volunteer to stay for a year or more to keep it up as it was back then. Huh. And so like stay in the house and, you know, they just maintain the orchard and have pigs and all these things. So, yeah, that's really fascinating. Yeah, it's pretty cool. I've been there just, I've been there once and got a tour. It was a neat place. So mm -hmm. that's really cool. That's Maybe really that could be tied into your little 50 states. In, yeah. Like a trees story or something. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know. It's, it's like when I have a lot of crazy things I want to do before I die and I'll probably do 2% of them, you know? Sure. But you know, yeah. Like I, I investigated the, uh, Oh man, I'm going to, but I'm going to butcher the name. I also kind of, I forgot the name. The, um, Oh man, it's your website that's tied to your your Twitter. It's like uh, Dog Eat Crow. The what? Is it Dog Eat Crow? Uh, yeah, that Twitter handle, but the um, the futuristic writings of uh, it oh, starts with an I. Is it like Innisfree? Yes. Yes. Yeah. 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 That one. Yeah. That's, a, that's, a, that's another half-assed project. Um, but, uh, yeah, I just have a lot of these ideas floating around my head. And I, I just, you know, I start all on, these creative outlets and yeah. And, and I start them and then I stop and then I'll pick it back up, you know, years later sometimes. I mean, I, that's how I wrote my first two books. I mean, I just I started them. Then they sh literally sat on the shelf for like six seven years and then i picked them back up finished them dusted them off edited it and then released it um you know i used to really feel bad about that when i was younger but now i've lived long enough to know that like i eventually get to these things you know it's almost like you know i just it just takes its time you know sometimes yeah. i didn't have the life experience i needed to to finish it properly at, at that time and i'm I started to kind of get off my own back about that and just say like, well, you know, if you're meant to finish it, you'll finish it. If not, it was a thing you did for a while, you know? Fair enough. Yeah. Unless it's, uh, unless you're like me where you have half your yard torn up and <laughs> you got a lot of mud everywhere right now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I've been, uh, I've been completing a, uh, a set of um, like, like, you know, forest kind of stairs for weeks now. 
Um, and, and it's like, it's kind of embarrassing at this point. Cause I'm literally a single step away from being done, but it's just, <laughs> like, you know, it's just, I know what is waiting for me, right? It's just one yeah. step, but it's like roots. It's digging through stuff. It's a good hour and a half of work for that one step, basically, or at least 30 minutes. Uh, and it won't be very much fun, but I need to get to it before uh, it gets too hot. I mean, down here, um, because I don't want to be doing that kind of work in 90 degree weather. Right. And a hundred percent humidity. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So tell me a little bit about your property. You give away, uh, you give away fruit trees. Sorry. Let's back up a little, yeah, yeah, one yeah. step before yeah. that. <laughs> How did you get started in, in homesteading growing fruit trees? Yeah. Um, I don't know. I, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I mean, my story is basically like anyone else's. I, I mean, I, it's hard to say I have a homestead exactly because I am in the middle of a suburban like neighborhood. But I'm like really very fortunate because, you know, usually, you know, 60s built suburban neighborhoods in the South tend to be highly governed by an HOA or covenants. Um, and there is nothing in my neighborhood. So there's really not like there's not much stopping me from doing stuff except for the city. Like if my neighbors complain, the city, if I was doing stuff in the front yard, the city might be kind of like, you know, come on, clean up your yard. But um, half my yard is a side yard. And so it's technically considered part of my backyard. So I hmm. kind of like free reign, but it's actually like where the sidewalk is. So it's like the most public facing part of our, our yard. Um, it's almost an acre, you know, I mean, it's, it's a good, it's a good size for, I mean, for a suburban lot. Um, and we're really, we're at the top of this hill and it's like the only two story building in this immediate part of the neighborhood at the top of a hill. So it kind of has like this kind of like grant, like the sense of grandeur to it that I, I, it's the reason why I wanted to buy the house. It really appealed to me. Um, Cause when, when I was growing up, like Georgian houses were always like, Oh, that's where the rich people lived, you know? Right. Um, so I was like, I love it. Georgian house with crown molding. Like, this is awesome. You know, it's got that kind of sixties charm to it. Um, but uh, yeah, so I, you know, it really just started with, um, you know, I bought this place, my wife and I bought this place uh, 12 years ago. And it wasn't until about four years ago that I started like wanting to grow things. I, and I don't, I don't really know where that came from. Like, it was just like, I started to be more, live a more alfresco life. Right. I used to sit on our back patio a lot more. I'm from Michigan. So like I can basically sit outside nine months out of the year, you know, without being too cold. And so I just, that's kind of what I do. And the more time I spent outside, the more I was like, Hmm, what else could be done with this place? You know? Um, and, um, and then that really like kind of kicked into overdrive with COVID. Um, and I, I'm sure that you hear that all the time. It seems like, I mean, it was, it was an important period in most everyone's life, you know, in some capacities, some where it was really bad, some, it was really nice. And, but it's, it definitely feels like it changed most everybody in some capacity. And, uh, for me, it was just that I was spending all this time in my house, <laughs> like looking around and just being like, yeah. what is, there's all this possibility around me. I'd always felt really like hemmed in, you know, I already I always felt like, oh, I'm on this little suburban, you know, plot. And um, 
you know, I got to go into the city to do fun things. And it's like, I'm so removed and I don't really want to be here. And then just being like stuck here, it like forced me to be kind of rooted. And I was like, wow, this place actually isn't that bad. You know, actually, if I started putting trees here and doing some stuff, it might actually be a really pleasant place. I started, you know, paying attention to the insects and the birds and the, the you know, when deer would come by or foxes or, um, uh, you know, a possum, you know, whatever kind of wildlife that, that comes out at night. I was like, there's really, you know, it, I, I started to see it as a forest. Like I was like, oh, this could be kind of a forest with the houses interspersed if we just started to use our land differently. And I had this um, sort of moment, um, sort of divine inspiration, if you will, uh, where I, I just kind of had, you know, the voices or the voice in my head, the kind of constant yattering just stopped. And I heard um, just make food. So it was like a very like profound moment for me, but it was also very like it was there and then it was done. And then I was like, did I really just like, like I'm, I'm hearing voices now, you know, like it wasn't like external, like it wasn't an auditory thing. It was just clearly my mind's voice just saying make food very clearly. And I also didn't know what to do with it because I, I had tr been trying for a couple of years and hadn't made anything. Like I'd grown a couple of carrots. Like I, I was like, oh, I've got a, a black thumb. I can't do this, you know. Um, and um, so I just started looking, you know, the next day after that, I started looking for places that I could volunteer my time, like act on this in some capacity. Uh, and like I emailed uh, Jamie at Roots Down and he emailed me right back and it was like, hey, you know, I don't really need volunteers, but I could use some marketing help. Um, and so, I mean, it was almost an immediate fast friendship. And uh, and now I'm his business partner. And, you know, it, the last two and a half years, it's been like basically in my personal and private life. I'm basically all wrapped up in growing things uh, and trying to grow more things around Atlanta. That's awesome. I I can't decide if I want to come back to Roots Down or if we want to get into it right now. So I'm going to let you pick if you want to uh, get into Roots Down. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know what would be more interesting to your audience, I guess. I mean, we could talk about what I'm doing here in my property. So, I mean, I call it, I'm calling it Old Crow Hill. It's a, it's kind of That's a an awesome name because it's, it's not, I mean, it's not, it's not a place, but I kind of imagine like, that like if you know over time right like if i get old and i'm the god the crow on the hill and and you know people are walking around more and it's maybe a less autocentric world you know maybe a smaller world you know we could kind of rename these places like replace placeify them if you will um and so th that's sort of the long game here is this kind of you know performance art if you will to see if i can actually like make this little suburban place into a place place that people could kind of kind of talk about or or uh, would have a name um and uh yeah so uh right now it's it's um mostly grass you know i mean it is a suburban you know uh sure. area but the backyard i tore up all the grass and built a bunch of beds it's very very forested um with a lot of pines and tulip poplars so in the summer, like only dappled light stuff, like forest stuff can really survive in about two thirds of the backyard. Um, so I'm really having to make the most of this corridor of like light that I get uh, in between the patio area and the, um, 
and when the, the start of the tree line. But what's interesting is, is the house already had a greenhouse on it. So I've been using the heck out of that. I had to replace uh, about six years ago. I like took all the panes off, cleaned them all and then re-glued them on and just like kind of reset the whole thing. Um, and um, I tore everything out, like just kind of rearranged it all to try and make the most out of the space. So I've been using that for like seedlings and plant starts. My goal is kind of like a 50, 50 is like, I'm trying to like grow the, the, uh, the plant life on the property, like as cheaply as possible. Um, so I'm trying to do seed starts of like a bunch of different varieties. I'm really leaning into the, like the pollinator nature preserve kind of thing more than, uh, growing food for, you know, our consumption. Um, though I want to, I'm planting a lot of fruit trees. So I'm trying to like, kind of, you know, hedge, right. Make sure that there's some stuff in the ground already. Cause you can always tear crap up and turn it into an annual garden if I have to. Um, but, um, yeah, so I've just been planting fruit trees and then I, I kind of like this whole, we have this whole side yard area, which is about like a, I don't know, like it's probably like 30 square yards. Like it's actually a pretty large area and relatively flat. Um, and I just did this big oval of mulch, you know, like uh, around it. So now it's like an oval of grass and I'm slowly planting the whole thing to be kind of like a secret garden kind of thing with like make you feel kind of enclosed um and then we can have like picnic tables and stuff and turn that into like kind of a little beer garden for our neighbors and stuff um so i'm kind of like using the you know the plants i grow to just kind of you know kind of higgledy piggledy just like what will make it let you know it's like a um you know like a grudge match right with all the plants um but then the other half i'm trying to like grow up a little bit taller and then give to my neighbors you know things that they you know if they want to donate money to the Roots Down Foundation, they can. But I'm growing this stuff anyway. At this point, it's a hobby and I'm obsessed with it. So, like, I might as well give it away to my neighbors. Um, and uh, but what the coolest thing about all of this is that, like, I've really discovered how many of my neighbors are actually interested in this stuff. You know, really, like, we've been taught that it's something we need to, like, keep in the backyard. It's just a hobby. I put around in the garden. But like seeing you know seeing me doing it in the front yard in sort of a, a slightly ostentatious fashion and i'm making my mistakes in public right like i mean i'm not a gardener i'm not like a a landscape architect you know that's jamie's side of the business i'm a marketing guy so i'm like making these mistakes in public I, i've had you know half my plants that i plant in the side yard died or the configuration made zero sense because I had all the tall plants in front and all the little plants in the back, you know, things like that. Um, But just seeing me out there has started so many interesting conversations. And I've really discovered how many of my neighbors are actually very interested in what I'm trying to do here. And, um, you know, I'm sure that I'm sure there's ones who don't particularly like it and maybe they just don't talk to me. (laughs) (laughs) If that's all it takes for them to not talk to you then yeah, you don't want to, you don't need to have a conversation with them anyways. Yeah, exactly. It's self-selecting, right? Like the ones who are cool will come and hang out and the ones I don't want to hang out with anyway, will stay away. So, um, yeah. These are my politics. (laughs) Gardening. These are my politics. Gardening. Well, it occurred to me today, this, this may sound really funny, but it occurred to me that this might be my first actual hobby, you know, where, I've always 
been very passionate about things, but I've always tried to like monetize them in some way, right? Or like turn them into more than just something I do for myself. Um, and this is the first time I'm doing something a lot. Like I'm very into it and I'm really just, there's no reason. I'm just into it because I'm into it, you know? Right. And um, I'm not trying to monetize it. Like there's no part of this that is, I, I'm, I'm trying to like, um, you know, commercialize in any way. I'm just doing it because it's fun. And um, it's really nice. It's really nice having a hobby. I never realized how nice it was to actually have a hobby. <laughs> That's kind of funny. That mm -hmm. uh, I suppose, are you, is it because that you're a marketing guy? You're like, oh yeah, you know, if I just, you know, you're trying to not, not pitch everything because that's more sales, but, you know, trying to spit it into a business that you're, that just like would take away from the hobby is like, you're trying to keep your yeah. marketing life and like your, what you like to do for fun, totally separate, like stay yeah. out of here marketing. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. I think, I mean, it, this, this goes way back. I mean, I used to play music a lot um, and I was very serious about it from like 16 to about 26, 27. I recorded a bunch of songs. I mean, I was dead serious. I was going to be a music, a, a rock and roll star and it killed it for me. Honestly, like when I moved to Nashville and I saw what it really took to make it right, you know, that talent or, or, yeah, talent really was like 10% of it, right? Most of it is like your ability to network, your ability to do whatever it takes. You have to constantly be like out there and shilling your product and your product is you, right? And that always, and that, as soon as I realized that's really what the job was, um, I was like, this sucks. I hate this, you know? Uh, so gross. There are plenty of people like who, who do whatever the hell they want right in music and they gather an audience but that's very few and far between usually the, if, if they're not doing the marketing someone's doing the marketing for that band you know you're not just getting an audience organically all, all by yourself you sure. know uh maybe that's different with the internet age but back when i was playing music like no you had to tour and you had to have the money for tour and you had to have you know you needed to know the people to go on tour with and you needed to be at the writer showcases and you need to write with the right people. And, you know, it's all this networking stuff and I'm not bad mouthing it. That's just the way it's a business. That's how the business works. Um, but I hated it and it kind of killed music for me. It was just like, ah, oh, I can't do this. And I, you know, and, and it being such a part of my personality at the time, right. Or, or my sense of self-worth, it was pretty, pretty defeating actually uh, in the time at the time. Um, but now I've come to realize, you know, it's just like all these other passions I've had. It was just a, a thing I did for a while and it was cool. And I'm, I'm really proud of the work I did. Um, but I saw what it took to be a musician. I didn't want to do it. <laughs> you know, it was, it's really that simple, you know? Yeah. And yeah, it just uh, wasn't for you. Yeah. It wasn't for me. No, I think that's fair. Yeah. Do you still play? Garden. Gardening is for me. <laughs> do you still play? Uh, a little bit. I, um, not very often. Now I mostly just like when I get, when a song gets like stuck in my head, um, I have to like learn how to play it. Um, it's just like a thing I have to do. Work it out of your system. No, I get yeah, it. Exactly. Like, cause once you know, like once you know how a song was recorded or once you know the song, it, it eventually loses its mystique and it becomes part of, of your background. Now, 
some of those things, you know, some of those songs remain, the power remains with them. But, um, and I actually have found that usually the songs that I really, really like and really want to keep liking, I don't learn how to play them. Um, hmm. Because uh, it'll kind of kill it for me. But I, I've been doing some, I, I, well, Ben, uh, I started last year doing some of these things called Old Man in the Greenhouse. And I was do, playing a, a cover in, my, in the greenhouse. Um, I think I did about three or four of them. I've got a song now by uh, Jack Van Cleef that I absolutely love called Rattlesnake that I, I'm like, it's in my head. I got to learn how to play this song. And I'll probably, that'll be the next Old Man in the Greenhouse if I ever get around to it. That's funny. Is that on YouTube or you just do it for? It's on YouTube. I mean, it's like, it's a one take thing. Like I just plot, you know, I learn how to play it. I plop the, the phone down, record it in one take and then put it, upload it. I'm gonna have to look that up. That sounds funny. Yeah. Uh, so your garden, your greenhouse, yeah. uh, your, you mentioned like the oval part on the, on the side of your house. Mm -hmm. I've never heard anybody try, like say, that they're designing something specifically for for community like that. You're like you said, like a beer garden for you and your neighbors. That's mm -hmm. that's. So, what kind of like like techniques or methods are you like working with that? Are you doing like a layered system, like permaculture, or is it just as simple as the uh, the gauntlet method, as you say, to just like see see what works? Yeah, I mean, I'm learning as I go along. Uh, this this year is nice because I really started last year with that the side yard there in particular. And I really started too late in the season, so I planted like all of these per, like perennial flowers, native flowers that were all like most of them were really past their real season, right? They were heading into some of them had fall blooms, but most of them were like, you know, I only bought one gallon plants too, so they weren't very big either. And so it definitely, it definitely looked a little scrubby last year. Like it was like, I, I lay and I didn't get, I didn't spring for like real mulch. I, I used um, chip drop. So like, it was just yes. like pines, right? It was just like a mix of stuff. And so it was kind of like scrubby mulch, which I used to kill the grass. I just mulched it really, you know, six, seven inches up and then planted stuff. And so admittedly, like yesterday, last year, it was a little like, what the hell is this guy doing? Like, it looked a little crazy. But this year, all the perennials are coming back, right? And and like, they're coming back twice as big as they were. And and now they're having a whole growing season. So they're like coming back bushy and stuff. And it's nice. kind of like, now I'm like seeing it. I'm like, I'm like, oh, okay, you weren't that far off. You know, you weren't that far off. What you were seeing in your head wasn't that far off of what is is slowly becoming the reality. But like, you know, you buy a, a one gallon blueberry, like it's not going to be big the way you see it in for six or seven years. You know, I mean, it's sure. It's yeah, yeah. Um, and so it's just a, it's about patience. I mean, this is this is something that for me is like as long as I stay in this house, I like as long as I can move, I will be working on this yard um, and it will never be done. And especially, you know, I just planted a fig uh, two days ago in the front yard. It's a three gallon fig. Like this thing, 
you know, four or five years before it's really like big producing a lot of figs for me, you know? Um, yeah. And that's assuming I put it in the right place, <laughs> which I won't know for a couple of years, really, whether it's in the right place. I think it is. Um, but um, yeah, it's all, it's all just a long experiment for me. I get analysis paralysis way too bad. Yeah. Like, I'm like, oh, I could do that here. I don't know. Maybe over. No, I don't know. And so like I had to have somebody come out and like we did a property walk. He did a evaluation with me. He was here for two hours just to like basically talk through a bunch of stuff. Mm -hmm. and, um, I could have paid him to come up with a plan to like, you know, draw it all out. Pretty pictures. Do this dummy uh, kind of thing. But mm -hmm. I, did, I, did, I think just the talking through it was enough for me to kind of mm -hmm. figure it out. So. But you're trying to do it for real, right? Like you're trying, are you trying to live off your land? Not, not really. <laughs> oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. I that, mean, that sounds nice. I'll let you know what I'm there. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I think it would be in, I, I would have to completely reorganize things to live off of this property. It absolutely could be done, I suppose, to a certain degree you know, create, it'd be, have, have, we'd have to some very, very weird rules about common land and, and, you know, cows and pigs and things like that, right. like, or sheep. But if it was just like, you know, I really went, went for it with permaculture, I think I could probably do something pretty cool with this, this property. Um, but I, like I said, I'm mostly into the kind of trying to create, I want as many birds and bugs and just life going on on this property uh and i'll i'll get by with the fruit you know with the fruit and um right and right. see what i can do with that tom tom ruby uh, um is a good friend of mine up in in uh kentucky and he um he makes like cordials like liqueurs um and he's got me really thinking i, I tried all his liqueurs when i was up there they were absolutely amazing and um he got me the wheels turning i'm like okay i'm just gonna focus on like berries then you know and i'll see what i can do maybe i can turn them into jams or liqueurs to you know to give away at christmas yeah. or um or even maybe like seasonal ones you know like come to the come to the beer garden and try the new seasonal liqueur you know um i think it'd be a lot of fun yeah you kind of asked about the i totally dodged the community question oddly enough i didn't mean to I talked oh, about that's fine. I got lost anyways. But yeah, it's, it's very important to me because I, I believe that, well, I have this crazy idea that suburbia, if you squint, right, is actually very beautiful. Uh, if you can, if it's like, if we could scrub the car infrastructure right out of there, um, sure. You know, like in my neighborhood, it's like if that was a dirt road and people had like the kind of split rail fences and they had gardens in the front yard and stuff like it basically would be Anne of Green Gables. You know, it'd be a, a gorgeous place to live. But obviously there are like major policy decisions that need to be made to to, to move in that direction. I personally think that we're going to be as a society be somewhat dragged kicking and screaming to some sort of future like that anyway. Um and so I'm sort of prepared to, to test the limits of it on my own property here. Um, and can I use it to build community? Like, can I, you know, suburbia as it's organized is very alienating. 
but it doesn't have to be right. Like, I mean, if, yeah. if we're at the top of a hill, we've got this big flat area on the side where everyone's walking by to get, go down uh, to different parts of the neighborhood. Um, it's kind of an ideal place for an inn, you know, like, honestly, like if this was, you know, where this is where you'd put a corner store if we built neighborhoods like we built uh, them back in the day, right? Our house would be the corner store. It'd be the logical place for a corner store or a pub or something, right? So why not kind of lean into it? Yeah, yeah, exactly. (laughs) You know, and I was like, well, you know, we can always build, you know, maybe build something small, like a small, uh, you know, side building, you know, as well. And, you know, depending on, how things get right if that's kind of stuff is necessary mm-hmm. i don't want to lean into it too much and scare everyone away but um yeah i think it'd be a real opportunity to bring people together you know and, and show like hey we can do backyard barbecues again right like we can do block parties it's not right that, you know we don't have to be scared of each other man that does sound kind of nice why that is kind of weird that people don't have their uh gardens in the front yard anymore i suppose regulations and whatnot but i'm actually moving my garden from the backyard to the front yard uh yeah. as part of like that property evaluation yeah so yeah my my house the unfortunate thing and this is how you could tell it's a very like modernist way of building right is that they situated it you know they basically like determined the road and then situated it according to the road right but the house is placed on the southern end of the bill of the lot. So my actual southern exposure is really just like this a pathway, basically. Um, so all of the land that I'm talking about is all on the north side of the house. Um, but fortunately, like, you know, as the sun is overhead, it does get enough like six hours of sunlight in a, in a pretty solid patch of there. Um, but most of the sunlight is really going to have to be on the um the west side of the house, which is technically the front of the house. Um, it's a beautiful sloping. It'd be like the perfect place for a vineyard, right? Like, cause it's like already sloping and you can kind of see it like a terraced vineyard out front. Um, but I think, I think that might be a bridge too far for my neighbors to do that, <laughs> but I'm going to slowly kind of like turn it. I already moved like our slate. Uh, we have really great slate, you know, big tiles of slate. And I, um, already moved them to the middle of the property. And, and so the idea is kind of like a trellis and like white picket fence kind of thing. And the whole front yard be a garden, you know, like, but yeah. when I say garden, I mean more like garden of Eden, you know, like more like, or like a botanical garden, less of like a traditional annual garden or, or row crops, you know? Um, I just want like life everywhere, you know? And that's really, that's that sounds really- so nice. Yeah. Yeah. I want, I want people to like be able to like, walk these little windy paths on my, you know, it's only an acre. Oh, oh, what's over there? Oh, what's what's over there? Yeah. Yeah. The curiosity. Yes. Yes, exactly. I want it to be whimsical. uh, Yes. But like, not like dorky whimsical or whatever, but like, just like nature is whimsical. Like when things are in natural order with each other, there's a power there, you know, and you can tap into it. And I'd like, I'd like this part of the world to be like that. Yeah. Like someone, uh, so, someone picks something up, like you're, you're telling me I can eat this. What yeah. is this? And yeah, you can, yeah, you can eat it. Don't yeah. Eat that one over there, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I, I've been, I, I, my second, um, 
social media account of choice is Instagram. I, I have been getting into this kind of Instagram reels loop. Um, but there's a sort of a funny one that kind of is going around like the, the mushroom forager kind of community of just mm. sort of like, you know, you like, you, Oh, you got, think you got wild carrots. Really? Really? Is that what you got? And it's like, you know, no, this thing's going to kill you or make, or make you sick. Oh, geez. Yeah, anyway. <laughs> I haven't seen those. Yeah. Yeah. They're pretty, they're entertaining and also informative because they show you what you shouldn't be foraging. I wouldn't have them in my yard anyway, but. Right. I, um, I, I've got one of those like plant scanner apps on my mm -hmm. phone and I, I used it a little bit last year and I found, ah, what the heck is it called? I don't remember. It's a cool looking flower, mm -hmm. but it like will kill horses. And so I'm like, Holy smokes. What is, what is that even doing here? And it's, uh, it was, it was kind of like kind of wild um, yeah. to, to find that just like, I don't even know if I should look at it. Like, is it gonna, is it gonna yeah. get me if it can kill a horse? Yeah. Uh, I've, I've been trying to grow castor beans, castor bean. It's, it's a castor bean, but I don't know if that's the name of the plant is what castor oil comes from. Hmm. Right. Um, but apparently it's like a beautiful, like red leaves, almost like a Japanese maple. Right. Okay. Like these kind of like red puffball flowers. Um, but like literally every part of it will kill you if you, if you eat too much of it, I think, I think, huh. you know, maybe it won't kill you, but it'll, it, you'll get very sick. Like you don't want to eat it. You don't want to make an, a tea out of it. Right. Um, if you have the ability, maybe you can, I think you can crush the beans to make the castor oil but none of it is like good for you but it makes a beautiful plant and i don't have any animals to worry about so so it's just strictly ornamental yeah in this case in my case yeah. it's strictly or ornamental it's just i don't have like a lot of like <clears throat> because so much of my yard is shaded or is part shade i just don't have a lot of options for like tall colorful plants right sure um i'm leaning on like canna lilies might be able to work well uh in areas you know i got an elderflower um and uh you know pawpaws but none of the, a lot of those really don't have like a lot of color color you know like um so a tall red plant that can do part shade is kind of like a real winner for me <laughs> what about like a like a purplish bamboo or something mm -hmm. My worry with bamboo is down here is it's so invasive. Oh, like once it once it takes hold, it's it's game over. Gotcha. Um, and so I'm a little worried about bamboo, but um, I mean the old standby is hydrangea, right? Everyone here sure. has hydrangeas everywhere, and they're beautiful, incredibly easy to to grow and take care of plants. They come. But you just want to be different, and that's fine. Yeah. And I also have a lot of hydrangea already, <laughs> um, so I'm like I'm trying not to like. In one of the areas, it's already dominated by this gigantic oak leaf hydrangea that's like was, uh, you know, the original owner put in. Right. And it's gorgeous. I love it. But it's like I don't want a whole More. yard. <laughs> yeah, so, I see. Yeah. What would you say the biggest challenge is that you face so far in in trying to I know you didn't really say like you're like a homesteader, but. Mm. You're, you do homestead stuff. <laughs> yeah. 
No, and I think like it, it's more just like I would say that I it, that is aspirational for me, right? Like I do like the idea of doing more of my own things. You know, that's why I'm growing the plants from seed or trying to grow as many from seed as possible because I really like want to do the whole thing, right? I want to know how to do it. I want to build those woodland stairs because I've never done it before and I want to learn how to do it. Yeah. Um, so there is there's homesteadiness about it, you know, of just being like I and and my I'll say like you know, I have a much deeper a burgeoning connection to this property than the average suburbanite has to their lawn, right? You yeah. know, they live on, they think of their house, their property is their house, right? Um, yeah. But for me, it, I'm like looking at the whole thing and saying, okay, well, how much life and how much of me can I, can I inject into this property mm -hmm. every inch of it, you know? Um, and so I do have a kind of unique, unique perspective on it in that way and so i think you know i'd gladly do more you know if it was acceptable I, i've joked with my wife that like you know if either of the neighbors on either side like you know decide to sell their house maybe we should buy it and try and like combine it into a you know bigger lot i was like maybe what we, what we could do is slowly buy up all the houses and would just own the whole neighborhood and it, it'd be like <laughs> one big uh village um uh, but, uh, yeah, that, that's one of my, my dreams for the neighborhood, but, um, yeah, I mean, uh, my relationship to the property is slightly different. And, uh, and I think that makes it a little bit home, like homesteading, yeah. um, but I'm really like, I'm insecure about it because I know so many people who are like on six acres, you know, are actually really trying. And I'm just sort of like, yeah, you know, i I take my leaf, you know, into in, into town to get my plants at Home Depot. You know, it's like <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not exactly homesteading, but um, but yeah, I'm, I'm really interested in the crafting part of it, you know, and, and finding new ways to make things and and learning how to do things. I, I never, um, I don't know. Growing up, I, I thought like, you know, I needed to do stuff with my brain. You know, that was that was my highest and best use. And now I'm starting to realize it's a lot of fun to do stuff with your hands too. And like, just yeah. kind of make things just to make them, you know? Yeah. Sometimes like some of the best things come out of just, just move, like just start doing mm -hmm. stuff with your hands and you'll figure it out as you go. And you're like, Hey, that didn't turn out half bad. Yeah. Look what I yeah. did. Yeah. And, and it really, what can really like, what really can make it fun is if you don't really care how it turns out, you know, if, if, if the journey really is more important than the destination, um, it's just a ton of fun, right? I mean, it yeah. doesn't really matter how it turns out. You can always redo it, you know, uh, or just be happy with your, your slightly uneven forest stairs. You know, it's just like, Hey, it was my first shot. They're rustic now. <laughs> I did it myself. Yeah. It's rustic. Right. And over time they're going to settle anyway. Right. I mean, over yeah. time and, and the goal is to have like dead nettle and and other kind of creeping plants kind of like crawling over it and stuff. Right. The goal is to make it seem like ruins, you know, like it's been there for ages. Right. Um, and so, you know, all those places that people photograph are never plumb. You know, they're never right. You know, maybe I'm sure they were when they were originally put in. But part of the charm of it is that they're not quite right. You know, it makes it very individualistic. Yeah. You're going to have to 
Do you have to send me a picture of these forest stairs? Because now I'm super curious uh, what what they look like. <laughs> well, you've seen them. They're like the classic, like four by four or, or six by six, like and like you, you would almost see on a hiking trail, kind of. Yeah, yeah, it's okay. like hiking stairs. Yeah, like so, it's really just the front and sides of the stair, and then you then you uh, stake in the next stair to the back of the of the last stair, and so they end up being about. Okay three by three stairs. Um, and then I broke some of the slate chips I had, like big ones, I broke them and then put them. And then I planted some like Irish moss and some other kind of, that's cool. We call them toe tinglers, right? Like, um, see, uh, ideally they'll, you know, they'll spread, right. I may have to like year after year kind of add more plant material to keep it, but I'm really kind of hoping it like kind of has this real kind of rustic feel to it. Um, I actually sourced a lot of the wood I use just from like the yard. As I've dug things up, I found like the previous owner, like he was the only owner prior to us. He had, um, he was an avid gardener too. And he um, edged everything with like these old, they don't really, well, maybe they do, but they're kind of like oval on one side and then straight on the other. Um, And so all these old, like, half rotted you know like wood beams are everywhere and so i sort of like used as many of those as i could to make the stairs so it kind of already has this uh this you know weathered look nice that sounds neat yeah although then there are some brand new four by four sprinkled in and you know those stairs look crazy because <laughs> half old weathered wood and and brand new wood but um you know, it all looked the same eventually. They're giving me ideas about. I'm, I'm doing a kind of like a terrace, yeah, on the side of my house, like a gar- terraced garden, mm-hmm. and I've got a two foot rock wall going on. Now I'm not like using mortar to. I'm actually I actually just bent fencing in like a U shape. And then tied tied the sides together so they wouldn't collapse out or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then I'm placing them in so that it'll look like look nice and kind of go up the side of like the side driveway around the house, yeah. kind of whatever. Yeah. But now I could plant something near the edge that would kind of like fall over the side of the rocks. Yeah. To and then maybe eventually, you know, moss or lichen would start growing on the rocks. But yeah, I live in a high and dry climate so there might not be too much moss might take a while yeah you never know right i mean the Mm -hmm. the funny thing is is that if you're open to nature offering you some new ideas like there's a lot of cool stuff that just pops up like i mean i've been doing this kind of like half joking uh little tweet series of like things you know things i found on old crow hill and they're just like the weeds. I mean, they're weeds. Like there's no, they're, they're, there's no way around it. They're just very common native stuff that just landed in my yard somehow. And I'm sort of like, eh, you can stay, you know, like you're not hurting anybody and you look fine. Yeah. And I'm sure there's some native insects that love the shit out of you. And so like, let's, let's let you stay for your season. You know, you'll be gone yeah. next year anyway. Uh, and uh, and if not, then I'll figure out what to do with you, <laughs> because where you're growing right now is not necessarily the ideal place. Um, That's funny. But there's like blue mist flowers that grew up like crazy 
here's the funny thing is I had actually gone to a native pollinator, um, a, a native pollinator store, right? Uh, which I really like frequenting. They're called Beach Hollow Farms. They're lovely. And I like, I like frequenting them because you can get a lot of interesting plants, right? Um, mm-hmm. And I'd seen a blue mist flower and I was like, that's a gorgeous flower. I mean, it like kind of has this, hey, do you know what a blue mist flower looks like? Not at all. It's all a fizzy, like fizzy is the way I describe it, but it's actually purple. And it's like this kind of like fizzy top, um, cluster, like tight cluster of, um, Ooh. Um, of, of flowers. And I was like, it was like 20 bucks. And I was like, oh, I've already spent too much. My wife will kill me. I can't, I won't get this this time. And then uh, like three days later, I noticed like this whole patch in my side yard of like tons of blue mist flower had just vol- has volunteered on my, on my property. This is, uh, this is it. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. It look and from a distance, like from a little bit away, it just looks. I mean, fizzy is the only way I can think of it. it looks like the evanescence off of a, off of a you know a purple soda or something. You know, it's just like cool. it's a really really pretty plant. Um, and it, it it's good because it kind of grows in that cool like kind of twenty four to thirty six inch area. You know, that yeah. is really good for that second tier if you're trying to like tear up the the, the heights of the plants. Um, so I just straight up snagged a couple of them and, and hung them upside down in the, um, in the greenhouse and just let them dry through the winter. Um, and, uh, and then just, there's an area where I wanted them. I just sort of like shook it out this spring. So we'll see what happens. Um, it is, it can be a little invasive, so I might've really stepped in it with that, but (laughs) (laughs) you might get that, uh, that evanescence or, uh, that essence thing. You, I mean, I kind of knew what I was doing. It was like it was a it was a an eyes wide open experiment. Like I, it was an area that I could sacrifice to the blue mist. Okay, I decided to take over, um, and I can always till them up. You know, like if I don't like it, I'll just tear them up and put something yeah. else there. So gotcha. That's funny. Yeah. So to circle back to what we were talking about uh, towards the beginning, what is roots down so roots down is um essentially we're a consultancy that allows uh, or works with uh property owners um property managers hoas developers small local governments uh to show them how they can turn their landscaping portfolio into a source for environmental and social good so um long story long short is that like the landscaping industry is incredibly expensive. It's polluting. Uh, it's one of the top 10 most dangerous careers, according to the CDC. Um, hmm. It's it's just like this secret. Like, it's just, I don't know how it's gotten by for as long as it has being as gross as it is, right? Um, and the thing is that fixing it is not hard, per se. You, you know, like... The question we would always get when we first starting out is like, well, you know, when we convert this over, who's going to maintain it? And and my answer was always, well, who's maintaining it now? Right. You're already paying someone to maintain it. Just give them a different skill set and you'll still just pay someone to maintain it. Only now, instead of pumping chemicals into the waterways and using all of the precious water during drought conditions to maintain a lawn that no one uses, it can actually be a wildflower meadow or it can be a learning garden for the school or it can just be a beautiful space that's used by nature, by, by other animals, you know, not humans. Um, 
And uh, and that's so that's really the, what the movement is about. I mean, it's really just trying to get the biggest landowners um, that are not agricultural to start thinking about their land differently and showing them the practical steps to get there. So um, we've created a certification methodology for properties, as well as a certification, an intro certification for um, landscapers to start to retool their uh, their skill set to be growers instead of landscapers. Um, hmm. Yeah, so that's what Roots Down does. Um, it's been pretty cool to, to like kind of have so much overlap between my personal interests and what I do for a living. Um, you know, I sort of even when I'm when, even when I'm doing sales calls and stuff, I'm never really selling. I'm just talking about what I love to talk about, um, and they're either with it or they're not. And you know, I don't really care. I'll move on to the next the next call then if they're not interested in it. There's so much opportunity. There's 50 million acres of lawn in this country. 50 million. Wow. I mean, to think to think about in 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 comparison, if we were to turn all of those into orchards, we would uh, increase U.S. Uh, domestic production of fruit by five times. Lawn is the single uh, largest irriga- irrigated crop in the U.S. That um, yes, absolutely. It's it's, it's insane. It's the, the we spend 120 billion dollars a year on landscaping services. It is an astounding amount of. Uh, money and resources, space, land being devoted to something that really, if we're on, if we're honest, like most people don't like very much, right? I mean, <laughs> right. A, a, a nice lawn with a big house at the end of it looks cool, but it's completely non-functional. No one's ever on it, you know, and it comes with a whole litany of um, environmental, social you know, kind of cultural problems, you know, it's very isolating. It, it's not inviting. It doesn't, it's a, um, it's a ecological dead zone, you know, mm-hmm. uh, that nothing's growing there. Nothing's living there um, except for this one monoculture, you know? Um, so yeah, we're on kind of a mission to, to turn whatever doesn't need to be used for a football field or a soccer field into, into something more productive. Now, if you can convert those into something productive, yeah. <laughs> but also be a football field, you're you'd, you'd make it. Yeah, instead yeah. of like goalposts, can we just have like a some trees and then yes, like uh, what's that? Oh, uh, oh man, wasn't there a guy that like oh, I, I forgot the name? He grows trees and modifies them like by bending them and like making chairs and stuff on yeah. them. Yeah, can he yeah. do that for the NFL? You totally could. You know, I was I was saying like, you know, uh, I was making a joke that like, you know, how much more interesting would all these sports be if they were playing in a wildflower meadow? You know, would uh, it would change the whole contour of the game, you know. Um, yeah. Now, you know, it's it's a or it's, golf. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Golf, I mean, golf is a golf is is it's an absolute environmental disaster. But um you know, it's, it's a little bit of an uphill climb with this, but the funny thing is, is, is it's not as much, again, COVID, it changed something like people are, like before COVID, you guys are crazy after COVID. Hmm, yeah. I did spend a lot of time outside. I, I did start to notice like my neighbor's yards and I'm my own yard. And I did spend a lot of time in the local park and, you know, I did enjoy all those, that hiking I did. And, you know, people started to think about the, the land differently because they couldn't go anywhere, 
right? They were stuck just staring at this the same pieces of ground and, and yeah. they started to rethink what might be possible there. Um, and um, and then when they hear the numbers, like, you know, it's not even, it's, it's no more expensive to put wildflower meadow in, you know, when you tear up a line uh, to put a new gas line or water line, it's no more expensive to put a wildflower meadow there than it is to put, uh, you know, sod, right? In the end, right. the, per foot square, the per square foot cost is roughly the same. And the wildflower meadow, you have to mow twice a year. The sod, you have to mow every two to four weeks. So it's like it, you start looking at it and it's like it just doesn't make any sense. It, it doesn't make any sense that we have all these weird interstitial urban spaces devoted to grass that no one uses. But we have to it's an it's a cost that society has to keep paying for for someone to mow this um it's it's really insane really um especially when so many cities and counties are struggling with their budgets you know um that they're spending all this money on on useless space is is pretty astounding why would you have to trim wildflower meadows twice um you know just usually like in the in the you know, the winter, like as they're, you know, they look, they can look pretty rough, right? Like, so it depends, you wouldn't have to, if it oh, was okay. you're in a, uh, you know, a neighborhood and people might be like, why does that look so scrubby? You know? So your flowers start to go like this. Yeah. And they, and, and they trim you know, them up. Uh, yeah. I mean, a lot of, I mean, a lot of them, depending on the mix, you know, can get, turn brown and, you know, they're dying, like well, their season is done and they'll come back next year, you know? Sure. Um, but you know, I'm, I'm speaking more, um, from a, you know, a municipal public works department, right. Who, right. Who's going to have someone calling and complaining every day if, if that lawn isn't mowed properly, even if it is a wildflower meadow. So, um, but the costs go way down, you know, there's no watering costs like, um, it, and you know, the environmental footprint of it is drastically reduced. Um, in all the bad ways and increased in all the good ways. Right. Yeah. I, uh, I, we really want to plant like a bunch of just wildflowers here. Just yeah. every color, every shape, whatever, just go crazy. So that's, that's what something. Grows, what grows really well in Montana? Lupine. Lupine grows really well here. Um, it's pretty. We, uh, in certain sections we have, uh, so like in the Bitterroot Valley, there's, uh, the bitterroot flower that's where it name comes from and it's like this cool i actually don't even remember how many petals we it has on it but i found one last year on the property so that was kind of neat um i actually have cactus on my property little little itty bitty cactus mm -hmm. and i think it was also last year like i was doing a property walk I, i'm on just over two acres mm -hmm. and so like my house is like in the middle of like a weird pizza pie kind of shape and uh, it was kind of just walking around the outside and I, I always knew that there was cactus there, but I looked and it had like this nice, like big flower on it. I'm like, oh, that's so cool that like, nice. I don't know. I just thought it was uh, most of the time. It's just cactus. It sticks to your boots, sticks to your pants, <laughs> sticks to your hands. Like, um, didn't know that kind of flowered. So, yeah. I, does, it, does it flower every year or is it like a. This uh, was the first year I've noticed it flower. Now I'll have to go back and look at my photos to see when I saw it flower mm -hmm. uh, and see if that happens again this year. But yeah. Isn't that cool though? Isn't, yeah. isn't it like 
the not knowing, you know, and just sort of being like, I'll find out next year, you know, like, I mean, I guess you could probably look it up and, you know, uh, but there's a, I don't know, that's sort of the start of like a relationship, right? With this yeah. plant, like, I'm going to know this plant on an individual basis now, you know, right? Um, because I know where it is. I know I'm going to learn more about its habits. Um, and it's, it starts to become, I don't know, more of a, a person in a way, you know, or, or a living being that you're sharing this, this area with, you know, have yeah. a responsibility to that plant, um, and to the wildlife. It probably, there's probably all sorts of things that live off of that thing, you know, yeah. Um, in some capa some capacity or other. There was an old barbed wire fence on the property mm -hmm. and almost all of it was like, was fallen down. Barbed wire was like in the dirt and stuff. And so I cleaned a bunch of it up, but there was one post, uh, on the, on the property line that was still standing. And there was a, I think it's a dogwood. Now I don't know. I don't know for sure, but there's like a young, younger, like kind of dogwood that kind of wrapped, kind of did like a half wrap around the post and it flowers for man it's only a few days i think it's like in april or may i can't i can't remember but i left it i left it alone and i actually uh took a little bit of barbed wire and modified it so like i kind of brought it around a little bit more so it faces the house for so when it does bloom like it's we can see all of it instead of like yeah. most of it i guess and so that that Are post is just gonna stay there forever yeah they're white mm-hmm like kind of like four kind of four petals. Honestly, I've never gone up like right to it to like check it out. I just like looking at it, it like from the dogwood. from the bedroom window. <laughs> yeah. It sounds like a dogwood. Yeah. Uh, I mean dogwood so like down here in the south like do dogwood is native, you know, uh and and it's beautiful. It's a beautiful tree, right? And it's perfect cuz it's like a mid a mid level tree, right? It's a mm -hmm. kind of a large tree. Um, but it's everywhere down here, like everywhere, great myrtles, dogwood, uh, Eastern red bud. Like these are like Japanese maple. Like these are the trees that everyone chose for color, uh, in the sixties. And so they're like everywhere. Um, that's sort of an embarrassment of riches, right. In a way, cause it's like, they're so ubiquitous that it's kind of like, they're not as remarkable. Um, but it does, I mean, it makes a real show in March, right? Because you have all the dogwood, yeah. all the eastern red buds. You've got um, the the Japanese maples finally starting to push push their their leaves out and stuff. It it ends up being like a really a really beautiful show for about two or three weeks. Oh, tulip magnolias as well. Mm, uh, I have a tulip yeah. magnolia in the backyard, and um, it's so beautiful for like four minutes. <laughs> I'm always just like, geez, oh, Pete, all of that work, and you last like four minutes. I mean, seriously, yeah. it's like it blooms, and then we get one storm, and all the blooms are gone, you know? Yeah. Um, which makes a really beautiful carpet of like cream and pink on the ground for a couple of days until it turns brown and becomes mulch. Right. <laughs> yeah, there's so little vegetation on my property that I mean, like, I guess I mean, like, leafy vegetation yeah because yeah. i've got lots of sagebrush and that's mm -hmm. cool i like the sage it looks good smells awesome mm -hmm. um so like when anything flowers i'm like this is great even if it's just like a simple dogwood and we're gonna yeah. 
I'm planting um, a hedgerow along along the uh, I'm above an irrigation ditch, and so like it gets really steep. So I'm planting a series of white and purple flowering locusts, Siberian pea shrub, and Rosa ragusa, kind of like kind of doing some sort of like pattern. So all of those will flower and create a nice thick edge. Yeah, but, that, that that sounds beautiful. That really sounds lovely. Um, would you would you be able you are you able to see it from the house? Yes. Okay. Right on. Yep. Yeah, that sounds lovely. That sounds really lovely. Um, yeah, I do. I do kind of have. I do have the itch. I feel like I need. I may need to figure out how I can get some a larger area. You know, to start to really make a a real skunk works. Um, because this is great. I love my house. I love my property. But um, when I go to my friends who have more <laughs> land, I'm like, oh, I could have so much fun out here. You know, you have such a bigger palette and um, and so many more native things, like so many more things just spring up, you know? Yeah. You just have much more biodiversity and opportunity to to kind of twiddle the knobs and make some things grow and, and suppress other things. It's uh, maybe someday. <laughs> I was gonna say you could. Uh, I don't. I don't know. Just get your get your hands in something, some sort of project, and kind of yeah. work on it in tandem with somebody else. So you're not taking on all the work, but yeah, who knows? Yeah, yeah. I'll figure it out someday. You know, it's one of those projects, one of those aspirations. It'll happen if it's going to happen. If not, you know, it wasn't meant to happen. I, I like to say I like I, I want I want to make sure that I die with a lot of unfinished projects because that means that as far as I'm concerned that means I was living to the minute you know sure. leaving till the very end because I thought I was going to finish those projects um, and so as long as I'm just tooling away at something I'll be happy yeah last question here okay. uh, what would you tell people that want to get started planting anything. Um, start with blueberries. <laughs> They're so easy to grow and they grow just about anywhere. Uh, further North you are, it is harder to grow them, but I'm from Michigan and Michigan grows blueberries like crazy. Um, they're such an easy plant to take care of. They're very hardy. Um, blueberries are tasty as hell. Not the store-bought crap they're they're trying to give us now, but like blueberries off the off the bush are are just so tasty. Um, and my son, my youngest son, realized that uh, you can eat the flowers too, um, mm -hmm. and they're they kind of taste well. They taste like flowers, but they kind of have this like light blueberry taste to them. They're actually kind of tasty. Mm. Um, they're just very small snacks, and then you don't get blueberries. So, you know, I'd rather just wait for the blueberries, but. Um, yeah, I'd start there. I mean, um, if you want to get a little more esoteric with it, like go out and walk whatever property you have regularly, multiple times a day, get to know every inch if you can. Um, cause you, you do that through the seasons and you'll start to recognize just almost by osmosis, you'll start to realize like where the sun is, where the water is where things are happening and how, how the, the life giving qualities of your area, like kind of how those patterns move through the seasons. Um, and um, I'll say that, that 
that's really what happened during COVID for me. And I didn't realize that's what was happening, but it was, I was just there. I was outside and I would pace a lot because I didn't have much else where to go. Right. Like I was just sort of like, okay. And I, and I found like, A, it calmed me, you know, and B, it was the more I looked, the more I found. It was just astounding that like you can have a small area and yet it's always changing. There's always something going on. There's always something moving in or moving out uh, or coming or going. And um, I find that endlessly fascinating. Yeah. Your, your example of walking the property and understanding the flow of things. That's why I'm having to move the garden to the front yard. <laughs> yes. <laughs> because my raised beds were in the shade of the house for yeah. 60% of the day or something. <laughs> so. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, the thing is, is that like, you don't know that unless you're like paying attention and paying mm-hmm. attention over time. Right. Um, you know, that's what, that's what's so fascinating for me. No, I guess if you don't have very, like, do you have a lot of trees or is it like mostly like sagebrush and just sort of like under canopy type of stuff? It's mostly sagebrush and yeah. under canopy stuff. Yeah. Like cheat grass, napweed, junk like that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, cause I have such a large established canopy of like pines and tulip poplars. Um, sun, the sun just, it's, a very bizarre dance the sun does with the tree canopy and through the year. Right. Because, um, you know, in the winter, right. There's areas that are lasted with winter sun, which for some plants, you know, you can kind of see like they really like they're really rewarded for being able to survive as an evergreen um, when that canopy has gone. Right. All those leaves are gone and they're just getting blasted with all that sunlight. Um, but yes, yeah, it's, it's very, it's really interesting. I mean, it doesn't take a lot of variables to start uh, making very interesting, like po- microclimates, like little pockets. Yeah, one acre, or half an acre, right? Just the way the interplay of shadow and light and water, um, just can you can do all sorts of cool things. I mean, you just have to pay attention to it. Um, yeah, yeah, great, <laughs> loved it. Hey man, uh, is there anything that you want to talk about before we wrap up here? Uh, no, I think this is, I think I've, I've think, I think everyone's heard enough from me. Um, <laughs> if you want to learn more about the work I'm doing, you can of course follow me on Twitter, uh, dog eat crow. Um, I'm also on Instagram, uh, as trace makes art. I don't post there very often. Uh, but, um, when I do it, it really counts. It's really worth it, I suppose. Um, yeah, yeah, that's where you can find me. Roots Down is rootsdownga.com or rootsdownga on all platforms. So if you're interested in what Roots Down is doing. Um, other than that, man, thank you so much for having me, Matt. Thanks for being here. I really appreciate your time and uh, appreciate everyone for listening. All right. Have a good night. I am Matt DeRosier of Farm Hop Life. Thanks for watching. Don't forget to subscribe and visit farmhoplife.com. Inside of the city, the people are crazy. Out of their minds, they ain't got a clue. We gone away, headed west for Montana. Left family and friends, all I got now is you. We both got new jobs, a house and a homestead, thinking this was the life, all that there'd be. 
first barn you had to stay home that's when the work got in the way for me well i started farm hop life welcome to your farm to help and to wander me and the family a truck and an rv send us a message and 